Hello and welcome to the Firehill Right Suspecting Schools podcast. Today's guest is Bruce Adamson. This episode will focus on Article 4, the right that states that governments must do all that they can to make sure that every child can enjoy their rights by creating systems and passing laws that promote and protect children's rights. Bruce, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? So thanks so much for, for inviting me. I'm Bruce, I'm the Children and Young People's Commissioner of Scotland. It's the best job in the world because it's my job to promote and safeguard the rights of the million or so children and young people. It's everyone up to age 18 or up to 21 for care experienced young people recognising that the rights that we owe to them. So usually I get to spend my time uh, in schools and communities talking to children and young people and finding out what really matters to you and then trying to make a difference by all of that stuff you were talking about in, in Article 4, talking to government, talking to local authorities and, and trying to, to improve things. But COVID's made the, the job a lot harder and so it's great that we can actually do this in person. How did you become involved with children's rights? That's a great question. So I'm a lawyer by trade. I grew up in New Zealand. And when I was in law school, just in second year, I started volunteering at a local community law centre. And some of the work that I did was working with parents around supporting righteous issues around supporting their children. And so I got really passionate about using the law and legal skills to make a difference for children and young people. And then when I moved to Scotland, which was in 2002, 20 years ago now, um, I was really keen on finding ways in which I could use my legal skills to, to make a difference and so I was involved in the Scottish Child Law Centre, I was the chair of that board for a while and I was on the children's panel as well, making decisions, um, supporting children and young people who were in conflict with the law or who needed additional support and so I've always been really passionate about kind of using my skills um, and then when they set up the Children's Commissioner, I was lucky enough to be one of the first staff for the original uh, Children's Commissioner back. Um, in 2004, 2005, and then for the last four and a half years, I've, I've had this amazing job as the Children's Commissioner. As to keep with the theme of our previous episodes, do you have a song that motivates you in your job? Yes, I do, and so the one I've chosen, it was a really tough, <laughs> tough thing to, to choose one song, but I've chosen Rise Up by 660. And so the reason I, I really love that song and it motivates me in my work is that it's all around about kind of overcoming barriers and also using your voice and standing up for your rights. And I think that one of the things I love most about my work is working directly with, with young human rights defenders like yourselves and working to support you to have your voices heard and to kind of stand up for your rights and to, to deliver change. And that, that's a really important thing in, in human rights, making sure that your voices are heard. But also at the start of that song, it, it talks about 
kind of using all of your might to overcome strife and, and, and how difficult it can be as a human rights defender. And that's something that really speaks to me. And so when I need motivation, when things aren't going well, as often they don't in, in human rights defense work because um, change happens slowly. Um, that's one of the songs that, that really kind of gives me energy and motivates me. What influenced you to become the Children's Commissioner and how do you ensure that what you do coincides with Article 4? Yeah, that's a brilliant question as well. It's the, it is the best job in the world and, and it's something that, I, that I'd always been very keen to do and was lucky enough to be selected um, four and a half years ago. And I think that the reason that it's um, such an important role is that ability to, to hear directly from children and young people, to act independently, to challenge government, to speak truth to power. And that linked to Article 4 and the obligation that you set out earlier that, that people in charge, people in power, have to use all of their available resources. They have to change the law, they have to look at policy, they have to look at, look at practice. So it's this obligation, you have to do everything that you can do in order to fulfil children's rights. And also Article 4 goes on to talk about that you should use all available resources, so that's money as well, to the maximum extent possible to deliver on rights particularly economic, social and cultural rights, so things like education and, and health. And so a big part of my role is ensuring that governments and local authorities and the NHS, the police, everyone else who's got a responsibility for children's rights uses all of their resources and the, the powers that I have to hold people to account goes right to the heart of, of Article 4 and, and that leverage you can use to say, can you prove that you're using, that you're doing everything that you can? It's not about blaming someone else or saying that's not my responsibility. What are you doing to make sure that you've used all of the power that you've got to make things better for children? What do you plan to do in the future to help children enjoy their rights? Ah, so, so many things. Um, at the moment, lots of focus on, on COVID and making sure that, that government um, does everything that it can do to ensure that we get through this pandemic in a rights-respecting way. I met with the, the Children's Minister earlier today to talk about things like vaccination availability, talking about more things that we can put in place to support schools, but also in terms of supporting kind of social activities and development, because those are really important. And then one of the things that that's most important at the moment is the incorporation of the Convention on the Rights of the Child into law. So this is a law that the Parliament passed last year that would mean that rights are enforceable so that if people in power weren't living up to their obligations, like in Article 4, using all of their powers to ensure that children get all of the things that they need, then we'd be able to hold them to account a lot more. And so this law is going to deliver big changes in terms of how rights are realised and how children actually experience all of the things, including the right to have your voice heard, the rights for decisions to be made in your best interest, Article 4, the use of all of those resources to the maximum extent possible. Um, but this was challenged at the Supreme Court last year, and now we're working with government to bring forward some amendments, some changes um, that the Supreme Court said was needed. And so that's my top priority at the moment, is to get this law back before Parliament and get it passed, because that gives you, as children and young people, a lot more power and recognition that your rights are important and allows you to challenge people in power to, to make changes. Do you have a song that reminds you of your youth? Yeah, so the, so again, it's a, it's a tough choice, but the one I've chosen is called Poye and it's by the Patia Māori Club. <laughs>
the reason I chose that song, which again shows my age and, and where I'm from, is this, this was from the, the 19, early, mid-1980s um, in New Zealand where I grew up. And the reason that I picked this song is it was one of the first popular songs in the Māori language after a very long period of real repression of Māori language and culture um, through the colonialism kind of process. And so this was a song that came out very much at the start of the kind of journey of decolonization in New Zealand and, and celebrating Māori culture. It also was a time in New Zealand where the country was bankrupt, the things were really awful. Um, and people were, were losing businesses and houses. And so there was a real sense of kind of depression across the country. And this song was a local community that had just lost the major employer in the area, in, in, in Patia. And uh, this was kind of fundraising this song in order to support people that, that, had, that had lost their jobs. And then it became um, a real symbol of kind of regeneration and reconnection and, and trying to kind of build something out of a time that was really bleak and I think that anyone kind of my age from New Zealand this song always brings a big smile to um, to your face at any party you go to you put this song on and people will be up and, and dancing and singing and so it brings real joy but also that connection to the Maori language and culture and also New Zealand coming out or starting to kind of come out of a time that was that was really really difficult so it's a song that always makes me smile. It's really amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and see us and answer some of our questions. Fantastic, thank you so much.